and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. What a weekend of dub. Just pure, quintessential, chaos league, reigning supreme, unbelievable content. Inject it straight into my veins. I think everyone on this pod feels the same way and I think most dub fans feel the same way. It was just an absolutely incredible weekend of football We cannot wait to talk about it and talk about the preliminary final that we have coming up this weekend. But before we crack into all that dub goodness, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So taking you through those two absolutely tasty clashes is me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian Wilkes, and Sam Lewis. Girlies, God, it was fun. Sam, I don't know how you felt about Friday's game for at least, you know, an hour of it, but I can, I think I can comfortably, comfortably say Angela and I were like, this is good. This is good shit. This is really good fun shit. And then obviously on Sunday, not as frantic, not as manic as Friday night's game, but still very, very fun. But We'll get into the nitty-gritty of the games shortly. We'll start off, as we usually do, with some you love to see it. So, Sam, offer us up a you love to see it. I mean, other than the entirety, really, of Friday night from probably the hour mark up until the 120 minutes, it was it was maybe the best finals football that I can remember. It was so exciting and there are so many different parts of it that I loved, but the part that I focused on in my post-match analysis was Ali Green because Ali Green is one of those players who does not get enough credit for having done what she has done, for having been around for as long as she's been around and for really embodying and embracing everything that the dub is really about. And she was the player who changed the game into Sydney's favour. She sent in that cross, that extraordinary cross after that unbelievable charging, barreling run through three Melbourne City players and clipped across in for Courtney Vine to, to open Sydney's scoring. And from there, it was practically all Sydney. It was just this, it was just this wave of emotions that was started and orchestrated by Ellie Green. And it it filtered into every single player. It filtered into the crowd. It filtered up to us in the media box. We just, I I lost my mind at several points throughout that entire second half and into extra time. It was an amazing game. We'll talk about it later. But Ali Green doing the thing for Sydney FC to get them into their fifth consecutive grand final in the dub. You love to see it. That stat boggles my mind, the five straight grand finals one. Like, I, I won't go into it because it, it doesn't mean anything, but just every time I hear that stat, I'm just like, holy hell, that is an impressive record. Angela, what did you love to see? Um, what did I love to see? Oh, I love to see a lot of things, but actually, no, I'm struggling to pick because I enjoyed all of the goals in the, the Victory Adelaide game immensely. Um, the Nanako Sasaki one is obviously a good shout, but on an emotional level, I really love to see Melina Ayers score. Um, this was her second game back this season, second, um, and she started. It was her first start, and it wasn't – actually, I, I just think about it in terms of, like, I think it points to – how much she shifted as a player over the years and the fact that she can bring it out in these big moments. And it, for those who haven't seen it, so it was, yeah. Um, so this was in the second half to put victory up 2-1 to eventually win the game. So it was a goal winner, goal winner, game winner, game winning game. Words, they're not flowing properly right now. Anyway, Pr- Leah Privatelli on the assist. Leah Privatelli opened the account as well. That's what I mean. It was just like... A, I have lots of things to say um, about Privatelli, but yeah, Melina Ayers just sort of swoops in um, like a shark and just pops it into the back of the net. And it's not, it's not a complete um, banger. Like she's really good at scoring long range goals. But um, like I said, I think the fact that she was able to convert in that crucial moment and um, able to do it after she's just come back speaks to the kind of player she is. I feel like she's sort of the, opposite of a confidence player like she just already has that confidence and we're seeing that in that moment there so 
Melina Ayres, getting it done for Melbourne Victory, someone who's been in the side for many years now and I think is really emblematic of the project that Jeff Hopkins started and continues to build at Victory. Yeah, absolutely love to see it. And the celebration as well. She was given the big, the, I don't know what you call these ones, but very excited, you know, amping up the crowd. You love to see that sort of things. Also, just on that note, I really liked how Court, when Courtney Vine scored, she was just like having none of it. She was like, no, girls, we've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. Just right back to the middle. But um, her fourth, well, the fourth goal, her second goal, she was definitely celebrating. So I'm glad that she gave herself that moment as well because she is an absolute star um, and was standout in that game. I've provided about five you love to see it. So sorry, Marissa. <laughs> There were a lot of things we love to see this weekend. I think it's very fair. And I think two of the players you mentioned there, Ayers and Vine, we will be talking about a fair bit in the upcoming chat. To be honest, might you love to see it was Nanako Sasaki's banger. It was just so clever. And it was one of, it felt cheeky watching it because you know that she's like done the mental calculations in the millisecond. Notice that like Casey Dumont is just a little bit too far off her line is like, I'm going to beat you. And then she did. And it was just so fun to watch. It really amped up the Adelaide crowd. And I think they needed that because it was a bit of a slow kind of start to this game. The victory goal obviously sucks out some of the the energy, not just from the players, but from the crowd. So to score and to score like that, I think just all of a sudden injected that game with a whole bunch of spice and fun. So it was just absolutely delightful to watch that was my you love to see it but let's start with the Sydney City game it was so it was so good as a neutral I sat there and I watched it and I just laughed the whole time because like that's kind of my my go-to reaction to games like this just that incredulous cackle like of course this is happening in the dub why wouldn't it happen in the dub it was it was so fun to watch. I think there were a lot of really key moments, key decisions, not only by the players but by the coaching staff as well. I think the substitutions in this game were very, very important. But let's kind of start at the beginning, Sam. First 60 minutes, you said that was kind of not your favourite part of this game. Why wasn't it your favourite part of this game? Why was Sydney kind of not doing what they needed to and why were City you know, 2-0 up. Yeah, I mean, where when we previewed this game, I think even though we did give predictions, I think we were pretty well set on the fact that this could have gone either way. And in that first half, I absolutely felt that City had the upper hand. They'd scored their goals. They were playing fantastic, incisive, like really a confident football, the kind of football that they've become known for. They didn't seem to have the kinds of weaknesses that we predicted either. They were able to clean up and shut down all the different pockets that Sydney FC could potentially exploit. But Sydney looked lethargic. They looked tired. They looked a little bit nervous. They looked a little bit overwhelmed. Their final third decisions and and their final passes just weren't coming off. They just seemed to be something that wasn't clicking. And when we talked about it in their post-match interview with Ante Juric, the thing that he said to them was pretty simple. He just reminded them that you're premiers. You are the best team in this league. You are here for a reason and you need to remind yourselves of that. And they came out in that second half. And as you mentioned, Marissa, the substitutions were incredibly important, particularly Courtney Vine, because Courtney Vine came on, even though she was fit and ready to start the game, Ante kept her for halftime. He kept her as an impact sub. And this is, and like that decision absolutely paid off because she came in and changed the game. She scored two of the four goals. She brought an energy and a fight and a fire that Sydney really needed. She really ramped up their front three as well with Princess Ebony, Remy Simpson, who didn't really seem to be clicking very much. But that all started to change in that second half. And like at halftime, I remember saying to the the fellas in the media box, it kind of reminds me of like how how my mum used to tell me, oh, maybe you played your final last week. 
like at Sunday League, maybe you like in order to get to the semi-final, you had to play like a really hard final regular season game and you won that and you gave it everything and you just had run out of puff by the time you got to, to knockouts. Maybe that was what was happening in that first half for Sydney. And I was, I was already sort of going through the seven stages of grief in trying to like deal with what this meant for the club and for the players and for myself and for the fans. But never underestimate this team. I think that's what the overall lesson is. They came out in that second half and they were the kind of Sydney that they've become known for. They all of a sudden, with help from I think a couple of unwise substitutions from Melbourne City, particularly taking off Rebecca Stott in midfield, all of a sudden things started to mesh, things started to click, they started to find rhythm and they started to find confidence and the crowd really started to build and get in behind them. And that momentum, you could feel that in the stadium. Even though there weren't that many people, you could really feel that sort of energy starting to shift in Sydney's favour. And ultimately it paid off. That, that persistence, that belief in themselves paid off. And it came through Courtney Vine. It came through that extremely chaotic Kote Rojas equaliser towards the very back end of the second half. And then it spilled over into extra time where it was just Sydney, 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 because they knew they had had the upper hand going into full time. They knew what they could do. They knew that they had some fresher legs in in the substitutions of Sarah Hunter in particular, who I thought was absolutely stunning when she came on. And they did it. You know, Melbourne City crumbled. They didn't have any response to these waves and this attitude and this self-belief that Sydney seemed to have. I'll be really curious to see how City backs up in the in the next game, the preliminary final against Melbourne Victory, not just in the sense of the players that they have available or don't have available, but in the sense of their confidence. I think this is a real hit for them. It's something that they haven't experienced for quite a while. So yeah, it was it was an unbelievable game. It's a game that I'm never going to forget. It was a game that showed everything that has made this Sydney FC team so special and that has made this season for them absolutely chock-a-block with record-breaking moments, including this one. I d- so I will say I feel like, so there were the substitutions and with this Sydney side, I feel like it's it's kind of an obvious point at this stage, but like the depth that they have. And it's not just like in the terms of like they've got a superstar on the bench that they can bring on, even though they do. They have Courtney Vine. She's very, very good. But the, I feel like it's quite an even, like Ante has built up the side. So there's like even experience and he can put on a player and they will do the job and they know what they're doing. And that that is a long-term project in and of itself. You know, like Mackenzie Hawksby, for example, or someone like Sarah Hunter, they Actually, Mackenzie Hawksby is not a great example to refer to in this situation, but she's one of those players who has been built up over seasons and is now having like this moment where she's um, become really integral for this side. And you're seeing that with the likes of a Sarah Hunter as well, for example. So she's someone, or a Rachel Lowe. Um, Rachel Lowe did miss a sitter. That was surprising. And I was just thinking maybe she's at her Melina Ayres, like where Melina Ayres was a couple of years ago, where she's like, I can only score bangers. Like, I'm sorry, I can't do the pinpoint, pass it into the back of the net. That was, but yeah, um, it was very chaotic, but definitely, yeah, I City, some, some non-use of the bing bong. I think once it went into extra time, it was just like, yes, so this Sydney side, they've got, like, they're talented, they're very good, but they're also fit. And Courtney Vine has talked a lot about that as well, and that became very apparent that they were going to be able to run over City, especially with Lineage going off with the red card, which was a very interesting moment. Um, And I know some folks feel that, so Melissa Barberi should have gotten the red card because I don't, I don't understand where the physics and the roll-on comes into for decision-making because it looks like Barberi clipped Vlanich, who then fell over and then knocked down Courtney Vine, who is, like, free on goal. Is that dog so? Is that the rule there? Does anyone know? Referee friends, please ca- clarify. Anyway, so Vlanich went down. We are not referees on this pod, so. No, but it was quite fun. And then um, the ref was, like, sidling up to, like, Vlanich while she's injured and it was very much like a, um, do you have a moment? to talk about your 
car insurance. Just like holding the card awkwardly like this. So you've got a red card and it also looks like you've done something to your body and that's not good. But that that obviously changed the texture of the game a lot because City were then chasing, like trying to get the lead down and not having that same depth I think I spoke earlier in the season about how City were particularly lucky at the start of the season to just put out the same starting 11 but when you look at a situation like this that becomes a real con um for example so I think Hannah Wilkinson got moved out wide and then Caitlin Carrich got put up top and I just Caitlin Carrich I haven't seen a lot of her I don't have any strong opinions but I don't she's not the sort of player who's going to come on and be a Courtney Vine just yet she might be in the future but it's like yeah having not having that potential person to bring on who can transform the game is that's very apparent in this this city squad so I think that was a real part of it but yeah I think yeah the the dis the the brain fart that was Melissa Barberi's red card later on in the match that I feel like that's going to be sitting very heavy for city because that's going to really impact next week I think if that hadn't have happened I would say that things would be looking a little bit different and I mean as an empath I don't think I'm an empath I'm not actually sure that is but like I feel bad for them but as a victory fan I'm kind of like thanks thanks for that this is going to be a little bit easy um not a little bit easy that sounds really arrogant it's nothing it's nothing's confirmed nothing's done anything could happen but it definitely does make victory's job easier next week in the prelim final um with them not having bubs in goal but yeah what a chaotic game also rado trip excellent stuff and another chaotic moment i want to mention is so sarah hunter scores her goal charlie rule just no need pushes bubs over just like not at, I I rewatched it. I was like, why? Why did this happen? What was going through? I wonder if she's just had so much adrenaline. She was just like, I just gotta push a person over right now. And it, it was very funny. I do recommend going and watching that on the, the replay, but no hate to Charlie Rule. I don't she I I she may have just been having an overwhelming moment. Um, and I don't think that probably it most likely does not reflect who she is as a person, but it was very funny. Maybe that reflects who I am as a person that I found it very funny. But, yeah, wild. It was a wild game. That I think second best final I've ever seen, the first being the Brisbane City in that first City season. That was a spicy meatball. But actually, no, that one went to Pens, and Pens are just like once it's gone to Pens, I feel like you can't adequately judge a side. So this could be the all-time best agreed to. Anyway, thoughts, plenty of them. Like, just in regards to, like, the Charlie Rule thing, I just, like, you know, the lever had been pulled to chaos and it was not being pulled back to any sort of neutral territory for anything. We were just, we were chaos mode. Um, Not to harp on it even further, but just the substitutes. I can't get over the substitutes. So, like, the luxury of being able to start Paige Satchel, Remy Seeps and Princess Avini, very good front three, didn't score any goals. So the luxury of them being able to bring on literal Matilda, Courtney Vine, and Chilean international Maria Jose Rojas, like unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. And the other thing that I think City benefit, sorry, Sydney benefited from that you kind of touched on, Angela, was just that, you know, Courtney's been doing this all season. When she was away on Tilly's duty, Rojas was doing this all season. They weren't just kind of emergencies or getting little snippets of games. They were starting. They were building up, you know, significant game time where you look then towards City. So the two substitutes that we kind of highlighted was the removal of Stott and Torpy. They brought on Misha Westland and Marissa Vandermeer, who have technically come on in almost every game or, you know, a significant number of games this season, but only for like 10 15 minutes at a time. So Westland's played 416 minutes all season. Vandermeer's played 180. That's not significant enough game time to actually then do anything. Or I definitely don't think that they should be, you know, we shouldn't expect them to all of a sudden come on and be able to do things when they literally haven't had that kind of build-up, especially when you compare it with the likes of who Sydney FC, um, yeah, Sydney FC were bringing on. So 
it's a really interesting thing. And then looking ahead to the prelim, again, who City will need to replace Vlanic and Barbieri with. Sally James, again, we know she's been injured. She's had a couple of stints off the bench to get her acclimatised and whatever. It's going to be interesting. Is that enough to kind of stand up to the pressure of a preliminary final with a grand final spot on the line? Similarly, Chelsea Blissett has kind of been the third choice fullback, has played a few games, but not nearly as many minutes as Avlanich or Caitlin Torby, depending on what wing. So I'm not sure if the, the, the players that will come into the side are pretty obvious, but whether they're actually going to be able to do the job required of them, considering the stakes of this match on the weekend, I don't know, but I'm very keen to find out. Yeah, and I, I do wonder how much of that is like a coaching mentality thing as well. Like, um, obviously, there's been a few things that shaped this season for Sydney, but just thinking of like Taylor Ray, she's been, in my opinion, like the best six. Do we agree? You, so yeah, yeah. Debate arguably one of the best sixes, but um, obviously she was out with COVID earlier in the season, so that was an opportunity to vet some other players. But then when you look at this, I do wonder if there's a case of like sometimes you just have to throw not so much the deep end but take accountability for playing those younger players for more substantial amounts of time or in more important games or giving them a bit because yeah it just feels like like you said like Westland and Vandermeer it's like they've been given them top-ups but it's not it's more just like they're there to preserve the legs of others which I feel like yeah it doesn't it doesn't give that space to grow and it feels like I don't, it does feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity as well, given City's season last year. They had some great names who played substantial minutes that season out of necessity and they didn't do well, but then it sort of dropped off this season, apart from, say, for example, Aaliyah Davidson, who's stuck around and I think has been very, very important for this City side. But, yeah, I wonder where if there's sort of a perception that some players might not be ready, so you have to wait. But then if you wait until they're ready, they might not ever get the experience to sort of build that resilience and harden themselves up to be ready for these big moments. It's just interesting. I wonder if there's like a lot of coaching pedagogy that comes into it or if they, the likes of Arado and an Ante just vibe it. If they surely not, surely I don't think they're in this position because they vibe it. But yeah, it's there's quite a stark difference between um, the sort of player development and how it's enmeshed in these two sides. I also just wanted to note as well another chaotic moment that I forgot to mention earlier. So Nat Tobin clattered with Tori Tumuth, I want to say, in the lead up to Cote Rojas's equalizer. And like she was, she I feel like she was in and amongst it, you know, and you could sort of see her. She was on the ground, lying on the ground, and she shifted her body a little bit so Kote, like, to move out of the way, and that's when Kote Rojas scored the goal. So it's just, you know, always there for her teammates, always in a supportive role, and we love that about her. So, yeah, it was there were so many great moments. I want someone to make, a, like, a chaos highlights reel of this game. I think another thing worth sort of mentioning there, Angela, off the back of your point about squads and how these two teams have been built, it sort of feels like Rado is maybe a season or two behind Ante in that sense. Like he inherited a team at a time when they were just about to all leave, you know, like they, they, he, he had that Matilda's light Melbourne city team and took them to that double and then almost all of them left. And so he had to start from scratch and that's, that's effectively what Ante had to do in 2018, 19. Um, but it wasn't such a massive drop-off. He didn't have such a huge sort of um, loss of core players. He started to, from the very beginning, and I wrote about this in my feature for them before the semi, he started to drip feed younger players here and there throughout their various seasons and, and ensure that they came back season after season if he, had, if he had belief in them, if he knew that they would one day be able to do the kind of thing that he wanted them to do. And it feels like this particular season, yes, last season, but this particular season is the real coalescing of all of that work. It's the real pinnacle of all of that time and all of those opportunities finally coming together in the one campaign at exactly the time that it needed to. 
So you've got players like your Taylor Rays, who has been in and around Sydney FC for such a long time. Remy Seamson, you've got Princess Abini, who's been around forever, even though she's only 22. You've got Nat Tobin as well, who's always sort of been a squaddy around Sydney, but has never really been playing sort of a major role like she is this season. So you've got all of these players who have been in this in this environment for a number of years and now having absorbed, I guess, by osmosis, by training, by getting more and more minutes over the course of the last couple of seasons, finally it's all sort of come together in the one lovely sort of harmony. Um, and that that feels like that's where Melbourne City are getting to. They're not quite there. And I think that they're going to perhaps need a season or two more to really find that. And my theory is that, they're wanting to move more towards the Sydney road of finding the best young players in and around Victoria and trying to implement them in their system. And we're already starting to see, I think, some of the players that could start to form this new core for Melbourne City. I think Leah Davidson is a sensational player. This has been her best season by far. Um, Holly McNamara is obviously going to be part of future plans. She's been un- unbelievable. And younger players like a Caitlin Carriage as well. Like these are young players who have a lot of hype around them at state league level. But this is the opportunity now to bring them in and to say, okay, this is what the standard is. This is what we expect of you. And then they can take that into their NPL seasons, overseas, whatever, young Matildas, and really start to ramp that sort of stuff up. So it's not, yeah, that's basically my, my way of saying that, like, we can never talk about games or seasons in isolation. We always need to talk about them in the much larger context because when it comes to, to clubs like Sydney, when it comes to, comes to clubs like Adelaide in particular as well, this is the, the culmination of a, a much longer series of decisions over the course of a number of years. I think, yeah, and maybe next season will be, will be able to clarify whether that's the project that City are embarking on because, yeah, I feel like they they do sort of get a free pass for last season, but um, the, the carry over and granted as well to get to the finals after last season and their performance so far, they've been fantastic this season, but it's, it is just these smaller things that are um, eroding, I guess, their, um, th- them as threats at this point. Um, what was it? Oh, Perth. I feel like Perth is another really good example. And But what I like about Perth is it seems like there's a very outward commitment that is being made and that you can see in terms of like um, Alex Parker signing players on long-term deals, players who haven't necessarily gotten an abundance of minutes this season. But you can see, well, two seasons' time, she's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, so one that comes to mind, like a Sakalis, if she's built up and developed in a really positive um, environment and she has like a, a plan, she's going to be a threat, a big threat further down the track. And I think also the four teams that have made finals have, aside from maybe City, so the Adelaide, the Victory and the Sydney, they've all done that in some capacity, which is, I think, you know, support your players and do the go for the long con because it works. As any victory fan will bloody tell you at any chance that they get. And Sydney now, probably. Oh, good Lord. It's a good segue, though, to start talking about Adelaide and victory and their final on the weekend. Obviously, victory, 2-1 winners. It was, it, was, it was certainly not as chaotic as Friday night's game. Could anything ever be as chaotic as Friday night's game was? We'll, we'll just have to watch, obviously, but my, my feeling is unlikely because that really had everything and the kitchen sink. But this Sunday final, it was Adelaide's first ever final. They finally got to experience that after so many years of not just being bad but terrible and then obviously they entered their almost phase where they finished fifth a couple of seasons. They finally made it to finals can imagine it's not the results that any of them would have wanted in their in their first ever final but it's it was another interesting game the the thing that sticks out to me or the couple of things that stick out to me that I'm happy for either of you to kind of broaden upon once I'm finished talking is the the concept of finals experience and just how important that is or is that just a way that we kind of um gloss over teams that don't do well in finals and 
it has to go without saying, Victory suddenly had a nine-day break and were playing like people that had been rested and were able to, you know, relax and recharge and get some rest into their legs. So happy for either of you to kind of tell us a little bit about this final, what you saw, what you liked from Victory, what you liked from Adelaide, what your kind of thoughts and vibes are. Yeah, I think you sort of summarised it best, Marissa, on Twitter when you said this game feels like a game that's being played in 32 degrees at 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon. It was it, it, it was the sort of polar opposite of the Sydney City game, which was so frantic and, and so chaotic. But this one, for large parts of it, was just so lethargic. It was tired. It was slow. It was scrappy. Yeah, outside of sort of the sequences around the goals, I really can't think of many moments that stick out to me as as really good football, the kind of good football that we have seen for most of the season from Adelaide and sort of in snatches from Melbourne victory, particularly towards the start. It was it was just a really exhausted kind of game from both of these teams. And, you know, Adelaide's... Uh, you know, that absolutely is a, oh, you played your grand final last week kind of moment from them, I think. Like they, that was probably one of their worst games that I've seen, aside from their maybe first two games in the first two rounds where they didn't really click just yet. But they, they just, they just looked like they ran out of ideas. And I think that's partly a credit to Melbourne Victory because they knew coming into this game off the back of their loss in the Pride round exactly how Adelaide would come at them and they found ways to shut them down they found ways to make Fiona Wirtz and Chelsea Dorber as ineffective as I've ever seen them they found ways to really stifle their midfield particularly Emily Condon who was also I guess a little not match fit coming off the back of a bit of an injury Um, and they were able to exploit I think a, a defensive line of Adelaide's that can sort of lose their concentration every now and then. And that definitely happened in the Molina Reyes goal. You saw Molina Reyes just sort of run past the Adelaide players and they, it's like they did, they forgot that she was on the field, you know, which like she hasn't been around for a while. So that's I like, I sort of get it, but that she just sort of drifted into the box and no one followed her. And it was just a very strange moment from three Adelaide defenders who I think have been fairly decent in the back half of the season um, but yeah, I mean, I, it was absolutely, and I, I wrote about this in my analysis today as well. It was absolutely a testament to victories, just dogged will to survive this whole season uh, of all the clubs who have suffered the slings and arrows of this outrageous campaign, Melbourne victory are the ones who have, I think have suffered most, you know, we've talked about them playing half the season in the space of a month, that insane, football frenzy quote big air quotes around that that uh that label we've seen them suffer serious injuries to key players like Kayla Morrison and for a couple of games to Amy Jackson we saw them sidelined with COVID with players still suffering the consequences of that Alex Chidiak talking about how even the final game against Canberra she was struggling to breathe you know, we've seen them battered and bruised and bleeding and crawling towards the end. And it sort of feels like that they've developed a really deep resilience as a result of that. And that really came out, I think, in this Adelaide game. They they found ways to win, even though it was hard, even though they, they really didn't have that many opportunities outside of the goals that they did end up scoring. And then uh, from probably the hour mark until the end of the game, they just clung on. They just held on for dear life because that's what they've been doing all season. You know, they're the experts at it now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that mind frame is going to inform their, their game against Melbourne City because City in footballing terms, I think, are far better than Melbourne victory. But I think coming off the back of these two games, the psychologies of both teams are going to be playing a big role in how they come up against one another. So it's going to be an interesting one. And you could see post-game how much this meant to victory. Like it was very much like victory can have a little prelim as a treat, you know, and for that the season that they have gone through. And um, yeah, to be honest, 
I feel like I was not the only one. Sam, actually, I think we have to thank you for this win as well, because you tweeted that Adelaide were going to win and uh, they did not. Um, and so I do wonder, it, it, I and I was sort of like, yeah, I diehard, well, I am a diehard fan, but I was like, I'm not going to justify spending lots of money to go to Adelaide when Victory are probably going to lose. Like I can just be sad in my own house. And then I was happy in my own house. And it, yeah, it, it was unexpected, but I think you could see shades of the, the kind of football that Victory want to play as much as possible. But a big, a big part of the season has been they have to be able to successfully shut it down and, and you know, close, close the gates when it comes to the, the pointy end of games. And they were able to do that this game. And that's, you know, been a really important part of this season when they have, I guess, not been able to, as Marissa spoke about, very early on before everything ever happened, the the approach of scoring more goals than the other team, that didn't really, that didn't work out, obviously, for all the reasons that Sam just listed. But um, Leah Privatelli, I just want to, I think Leah Privatelli had an outstanding game. I think she's a, she really deserves a shout out in terms of, she's such an important player. Um, in terms of the leadership that she brings to this victory side. But when we looked at the different starting 11s that could be possible this season with the various outs um, due to COVID and injury, Leah Privatelli is just one of those players where it's like you can put her in and she'll do the job, and that's really, really important. Um, and But then it's been also, I think, this season, it's been really great to see her play some, some fantastic football and to really develop as an individual player um, I think I'm, I'm used to sort of looking to that in younger players but she's quite far into her A-League women's career and to see that continued development um, and to see her continue to con- contribute in the ways that she has like this game a goal and an assist that's really lovely um, yeah and Amy Jackson backs as a six like a six is a six you love that that's very important that's very good we we love that and I think I'm so glad that Jackson is back for finals because um, it could have been a quite a different situation otherwise. Kara Cooney Cross as well. She's coming back next week. Woo! Okay, it's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be good. And I also, when you're talking about like the the current state of victory, sort of like crawling over the finish line, I was thinking of those TikToks that people post of like their 20-year-old like chihuahua that's like and it's it's got the over the sound, or it's like, you can't get rid of me, bitch. You can't get rid of me, bitch. That's victory. And I feel like they, and they seem to thrive on that underdog mentality. They love to just shake things up a little bit. And as you said, Sam, that I think that's going to be a real asset for them coming into this game where a city are probably looking around at their belly button thinking, oh my God, what do we do? Um, which they usually do not have to think about. They're, they're a bit more of a, they've got a bit more of the girl boss energy to them that they won't have next week. So anyway, that's, it's going to be a very exciting game. Make sure if you're in Melbourne that you get down. It's going to be, I'm now I'm nervous because I'm thinking about what you might lose, but I didn't even, and that's the thing, didn't even plan, didn't even, wasn't even my radar to potentially go to like a grand final. Um, and then Sydney scraped, no, sorry, victory, victory scraped through. And I was like, mm, still no. And now I'm like, do I, do I let that hope in? Do I no. let myself be hurt? I think... Chloe would say no. She's sorry, Chloe. I'm so sorry. Adelaide, Chloe. She's hurting right now. It makes me really sad, but also I'm not no, I'm not gonna quite. <laughs> my my final thought on both of these teams just from this game. Adelaide, you you have the finals experience under your belt now. So assuming that the, the team sticks together next season should only be better. You you got to kind of get through that first thing, break through that initial barrier, and then it should only, you know, get better from there. So I do have faith that Adelaide will be in this conversation once again, but maybe a little bit of a, a happier conversation compared to what we've done with them right now. For victory, I just really like their attacking options that is you know it maybe it didn't go the full just score more goals than everyone else thing but goal scorers and attacking outlets is something that despite everything that has happened this season they've always kind of had the fact that Melina Ayres has come back 
and has kind of just slotted in seamlessly, you wouldn't know that she literally missed 13 weeks of a 14-week season. Like she, and it's, it's awesome for her and also for Victory that she hasn't needed a lot of time to kind of get back to that level. She was making the runs. She was scoring the goals. It's all just kind of come back really naturally. So that's really awesome. And I can't wait to see that up against Melbourne City, which leads us to this prelim final, Sunday, the 20th of March, 4.05pm, Amy Park, be there. Otherwise, there will be consequences. That is a threat. That is a credible threat, people of Melbourne. But quick preview of this game. What are we expecting? How do we see this one kind of unfolding? And who will be meeting Sydney in that grand final next week? I don't know. And I don't want to say anything because... <laughs> you, you should not, Samantha Curse Lewis. You should absolutely not. I feel like I've, I've, I've sort of given an overarching preview that it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a tight game that is, I think, going to be decided by, again, like who can outlast the other one. I think it'll come down to mistakes, not necessarily really good football because both teams are exhausted and they're suffering still from the sort of PTSD of this season. Um, there'll be key players who pop up in key moments like a Hannah Wilkinson, like a Leah Privatelli, like a Melina Ayres. And outside of that, really, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be anyone's game, I reckon. I, I actually think Victory could play some good football. I'm kind of keen for that. We saw, And like I said, we saw shades of that. We saw some... Um, and them having Melina Ayres in that front line, there's been moments this season where they have played attractive football that sort of ended in nothing, you know, in front of goal. But they've got they've got pincers on the attack now, right? And they've got you know fit Zimmerman. Yeah, here we come. Uh, they've got a Melina Ayres, like you said, Marissa. They've got a Zimmerman, um, and if they can play a Leah Privatelli in a Zoomy role, which I think is where she does best. Yeah, it could be, I think there's, and it is that thing of like the the seven games in 23, seven games in 23 days. There was just no opportunity really for them to regroup, but now they have that opportunity and I think they were building towards something and they were able to get it done. It was Jamie, but it's like almost like they've sort of hit refresh a little bit. So, for, but for City, I, ooh, concerning because like Sally James just had, She'll be in goals, I assume. She's had 20 minutes this season. Um, and that isn't to say that she can't do well, but I just feel like she hasn't, she didn't like she hasn't had any preparation. It's truly like the deep end for her, I think, which is gonna be terrifying for her. Don't envy that. Um Vlanich out. Vlanich has been really important. Uh, that's not good. And Heatley was down at the end of City's game as well, which is a bit concerning. And she's been so, like, such a hard worker defensively as well as, yeah, so there's a lot of important names missing. It's, I just, I'm not sure how they're going to, yeah, I'm not sure. But I reckon it would be close. Still going to be a spicy meatball. Um, I say that, it's going to be like a blowout, isn't it? Anyway. Oh, and Kyra Kenny Cross. I forgot. I keep forgetting. Oh my God, Kyra Kenny Cross is coming out. That's going to be fun. Oh man. Oh, it's going to be such a good game. I'm really excited. That that's my thing. My only prediction is chaos because I I can't see anything else happening. Just the stakes. The fact that it's a derby. Both teams have won a derby each this season, although they do take place within three weeks of each other because of the weird. Because of this season, capital T, capital S, TM, like, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, my only kind of real prediction is chaos and I cannot encourage people strongly enough to get down, to make the effort. It's at Amy Park on a Sunday Arvo. Hopefully Melbourne turns it on weather-wise and it should just be an absolutely cracking contest. So cannot wait for that game. Let's move into some other regular scheduled things. A quick boot. Sam, do you want a quick boot? So Sydney's win over Melbourne City 
probably top three all-time dub finals games. What a shame that it wasn't on free-to-air. It was mentioned by a lot of people, including Ali Green, in a tweet after the game. She said that it was an amazing comeback, that she's so proud of her side, but why the hell wasn't it shown to as many people as possible a year, like less than a year before a World Cup? What, like, why, why is this still happening? I, and I was under the impression at the start of this season that the APL had agreed that all of the finals games would be on free to air. Did I imagine that? I feel like maybe this was something that I, I sort of just stuffed into my brain perhaps as part of the whole optimistic, yeah, rebrand, yes, it's going to be the best season ever. To... What happened? Like, I don't know why this has been, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this happened. Of all the games to have put behind a paywall, it had to be one of the most exciting of maybe the whole season. Uh, you know, like it's, it's just, it's really frustrating. And it's just sort of the latest iteration of something that is fairly straightforward, something that seems pretty logical and pretty easy that the APL has just not done this season. They just have, have to like for all the, all the, the blasting and, and, and gloating about, you know, a new era for the game and equality and wanting to grow the the dub and, and give the best to these, like, they just have continually shown that that is not the case. Their actions are speaking completely in contradiction to the, the, their stated intention at the start of all of this. And it's just frustrating. I think a lot of people are tired of it. The players are clearly tired of it as well. Um, I'm tired of talking about it because it seems that we have to fucking talk about this almost every single week because yes, there's yet another thing that the APL has done which has sidelined the women's game. Um, but, you know, hopefully we're not going to see a repeat of that if more and more people continue to complain. You can sort of hear it from my voice. I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. I think there was a not unfair assumption because that's what used to happen like when the game was on Fox Sports, ABC would have the finals on free-to-air there were issues there in the sense that you know it was delayed which why are you delaying the broadcasting of live sport I will simply never not I will never understand I don't want to understand frankly because like what was on what was on 10 bold instead like a pre a pre like a repeat of a of a just a show like what respectfully to 10 bold nothing good (sighs) nothing as good as that game so I just I, it's one of those things where it's the same deal with, you know, people's complaints about Paramount Plus and not having the rewind function, the pause function. Those They're such basic things that you just assumed they would be there. And I don't think it is unfair of fans to make that assumption. It's not like they're whinging for the sake of whinging. Having finals on free to air generally benefits everyone so it really doesn't make sense that it didn't happen and I would be very surprised if it is not changed in time for next season because people will just be even angrier that you that they hadn't seemingly learned from the reaction to to these games but yes a a boot let's flick the switch let's get into some positive stuff let's do some how good so Angela how good uh, my how good is Kayla Morrison is running again. And that's so, yeah, centre-back captain who did her ACL round one, changed the course of victory's season, quite substantially. Very sad. It's great to see that she is back doing zoomies. Well, I assume quite tepid zoomies at this point in time, but yeah, absolutely love to see it. How good. Go Kayla Morrison and all the best with the rest of your rehab. Yeah, I think we all can't wait to, you know, hopefully see her in victory colours once again next season. Sam, how good? So in the absence of uh, Sam Kerr, Nuff Nuff extraordinaire Anna Harrington, uh, I am taking over responsibility of reminding people that our Lord and Saviour Sam Kerr continues to be an absolute boss over at Chelsea in the FA Women's Super League. And she has once again really, truly outdone herself in terms of something that wasn't necessarily involved with football, but with the way that football happens sort of around around it. So her game-winning goal against Aston Villa to keep Chelsea within touching distance of Arsenal, 
it was a great, you know, it was a great goal. It was sort of route one. It was just real NWSL, bomb it forward and hope the fast player gets onto it areas. Poked it past her, but it was the celebration. It was the celebration, the whipping the shirt off her body, the wheeling it around her head, real Brandy Chastain slash John Aloisi areas. The whole stadium went wild. Emma Hayes lost her mind. I loved the tweet from Erin Cuthbert, which was just like when your friend wants to fight and you just want to get into the club because there is that photo of Emma Hayes looking furious just with passion and joy over that that game-winning goal. The whole moment was just wild and we should probably talk about, you know, what's happening with Chelsea to a, a greater extent and a more nuanced extent at some later day. But for now, it was just, it was a great moment. It was a great moment for Sammy. It was a great moment for the for the league and for the sport because, like, that's the stuff that cracks through to the mainstream. You know, that's the stuff that I have editors of the ABC going, hey, Sam, did you see this thing? Like, this is like this is trending. We should do so. Yes, I did happen to see that thing, that thing that I'm specialising in. Yes, of course I can produce something about it. And then, I, yeah, so it's Sam Kerr, how good. And it's just, it's so Sam Kerr, if it's not backflips, it's, you know, laying a hip and shoulder on a pitch invader. And if it's not that, it's whipping the shirt off and just, you know, going absolutely bananas. It's just become real quintessential Kerr and we do absolutely love to see it. I reckon that's us done for this week. But thank you so much for tuning in. As we said, get to the preliminary final. If you are in Sydney, already book your tickets. For your grand final, off you like go do it right now. They're gonna be absolutely phenomenal contests. We cannot wait to chat about them. We'll hopefully have some special guests lined up very soon, so you can look forward to those episodes as well. And remember, you can always find us on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Everywhere you get podcasts, feel free to subscribe or leave a review if you like what we're doing. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, finals football, baby. Let's go. See you.